Hello and welcome to A Day Of, a podcast about Biffy Clyro. My name is Simon Dowling. Recently, Infinity Land celebrated its 16th birthday. I'm not even sure what you can legally do at 16 now. I know you can't buy cigarettes anymore. On its birthday, the official Biffy account tweeted asking what people's favourite song from Infinity Land was, and by far the most common response was Jaggy Snake. Released as a digital download ahead of the album, it was technically the first single. I've got a little bonus in this episode as well, as I had a chat with James Spence of Rolo Tomasi about their experience performing this song live with Biffy Clyro. It is the first and hopefully not the last guest with a closer connection to the lads. I know what you all want. You want me to tell you what a jaggy snake is. Well, unfortunately, I haven't a fucking clue. It is a wonderfully Scottish-sounding phrase, like, get to fuck your jaggy snake. Weirdly enough, the Wikipedia for this song has a musical breakdown not dissimilar to what I do on the podcast, so I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to read that out. The song, much like most of the band's work around this period, does not follow a conventional verse-chorus structure. It rather features several distinguishable sections with recurring musical ideas and riffs. The song features the band's signature stop-start style with erratic riffs and time signatures. The song opens with a fast and erratic riff played on a Fender Stratocaster before bursting into a loud, distorted guitar section. After the intro comes the vocal section in which the lyrics are screamed by Neil. After two verses, in inverted commas, in the screaming vocal style, the next sung section begins with the words, take extra special care. The next section begins with a guitar riff in a 5-4 time signature. The lyrics, ribs break, soul stay bare, your forked stare cuts through, are the same as those in the preceding a cappella track on the album, There's No Such Man As Crasp. The final section in the song comprises an extended, distorted guitar progression over the lyrics, you're facing a pointless task and it's the same thing, I will face the tasks, are layered over each other. The lyrics are also adapted from There's No Such Man As Crasp. Now, that's probably not as detailed as I would have normally done it, but with Jaggy Snake being the most popular song on the album, it's probably the song that absolutely everyone's heard. It's still in live rotation, and it's exemplary of everything that the songwriting on Infinity Land is presenting about the band Biffy Clyro. The lyrics certainly evoke the imagery of a snake, with the repeated lyrics from Crasp of Ribs Break, Soul Stay Bare, Your Forked Stare Cuts Through, and then also You Twist, You Turn, Wrapping Around Me, Wrapping Around Me, Now So Tight, Squeezing the Life From Me. I think the snake in this instant might be anxiety. The opening of You Think About The Wrong Things and Simply Put You're A Fuck Up sound like very internalised emotions. The ending of your facing a pointless task could be either about trying to overcome the anxiety or the anxiety coming from the futility of whatever their task is. I certainly know that feeling as I've had some fucking shite bosses in my timer. But anyway, we'll get into the chat with James. I'd like to say thank you again to him for giving me some of his time. I love Rolo Tomasi, and if you're not a fan but you like Jaggy Snake, then check them out. From their like first EP years ago to their last album, they've always challenged my expectations of what rock music can and should do. They're angular, they're aggressive, and they're ethereal. They're just fantastic. Anyway, here's the chat with James. Okay, so I'm with James Spence of Rolo Tomasi, um, who's here to discuss... His experience with Biffy Clyro, which is a little bit deeper than my usual guests, where most people are standing on one side of the barrier watching Biffy Clyro on a stage, 
James had the privilege of, uh, well, they had the privilege of performing with James and performing the <laughs> song There's No Such Thing as a Jaggy Snake on uh, on Channel 4. So, James, prior to obviously ending up on stage with Biffy, what was your kind of relationship with the band, Biffy Clyro? Were you a fan beforehand at all? So I'd listened to and really enjoyed Black and Sky when it came out. Um, I kind of would lump Biffy in with a group of bands that I listened to when I was a, in my early teens, like 100 Reasons, Hellers for Heroes. And I saw Biffy as being part of what of what they were doing. And I enjoyed Black and Sky, but I think at that age, my taste in music was just changing so quickly and rapidly that I moved on to sort of slightly heavier music um, as my teens went on. And I hadn't particularly kept up with um, what Biffy were doing, like past the singles that they were putting out. There was stuff that I kind of would see on Kerrang TV, things like that. And later on down the line, as they kind of really broke into the mainstream, they were just unavoidable on on Radio 1 and things like that. So I was always aware of what they were doing, if not actively seeking out. So you ended up on stage with them. So the the show, was, was it for Channel 4? It was a Channel 4 series that I think was very short run. I think it did, they maybe just did the first few episodes of a series and it never got picked up again. It was called, I had to look this up earlier, it was called Evolution Music Rooms. Um, catchy title. <laughs> yeah, right. It filmed in a very soulless warehouse space somewhere in London. And yeah, so a month before we were due to go on tour with Biffy, we were asked if we would collaborate with them uh, on on Maggie Snake. Um, I think initially, it had been their request that they would do the TV show, provided that they could select the bands playing it. Cause I think the format of the show was supposed to be sort of a, a, a come across like it was a gig, um, rather than just being like a live lounge sessiony yeah. style thing. Um, and they pitched us to the producer of the show, who outright said no. Um, because I don't think they particularly like what we were doing. And then Biffy had kind of said, well, if the band can't play, then we're going to have them guesting on our track. Like we want them to be involved. And ahead of touring with them, that was, it really felt quite good that they immediately kind of had our corner a little bit and they were kind of fighting on our behalf when we hadn't actually met them yet. So with no rehearsals, me and Eva were invited to go down and we were sent the track in advance and maybe some suggestions on how, how it would go. We, we just kind of ran it in a sound check um, ahead of recording it for, for the TV session. I mean, it's, I remember it happening because obviously we, we met in like 2006-ish maybe. Yeah. Um, before, well, I mean, Biffy weren't were on the cusp of mainstream and you were playing in, you know, I think we met in the Pack Horse in Leeds. You played... A, a nice small room upstairs and obviously both of your careers have progressed to a much higher level than then um so was was that your was that Roller Tomasi's first tv appearance like had you it, I, I think it's the only tv appearance we've had um that is shocking we got interviewed once for oh, there was there used to be something i can't even remember the name of these all day like sort of all ages events that happened at the underworld in london subvert maybe and we played as part of that we got interviewed by nick grimshaw ahead of him being a bit more of a household name i remember that very briefly i never saw that on tv but this was the only like performance musically that was filmed in a session for for tv yeah yeah 
So I was going to say, you you then, a, a few weeks after the, the performance of Jaggy Snake, went on tour with Biffy and was it Twilight Sad you played with as well? It was, yeah. So it was... Um... We opened, uh, Twilight Side played second, and then Biffy were closing. Um, so this would have been 2010. I think they just released Only Revolutions. I think we started in Aberdeen, and it went down and finished at uh, Hammersmith Apollo in London. I think at the time it was the biggest show that Biffy had done. Uh, big, biggest he- indoor headline show. Uh, maybe, yeah. well, probably outside of Scotland. I, I imagine they were probably playing like shows of the equivalent size in Scotland. But I remember the tour being really, really exciting because you could really feel that they were like, biffy were going to that next level like they were big and they were popular but they were about to like start headlining festivals and and really really kind of get stratospheric and being a part of that tour when you can kind of see that happening was um was very very cool uh and for us at that time that was like one of the biggest tours that we'd ever been part of you know our band was used to playing stages that were smaller than the venues that were smaller than the stage at Hammersmith Apollo so to get to walk out and like play these huge huge rooms um was was amazing and they they made us feel incredibly welcome their crew were all incredible and yeah it's it's just a very very good memory so were you were you handpicked by Biffy or was it you know to to support them on the tour obviously Simon's into his you know Simon's musical tastes are much much heavier than his uh and his musical output you know he loves bands like imperial triumphant and will haven and stuff so were you picked handpicked by biffy because of your kind of heavier leanings i remember we'd done a show i think they'd been in seen us play in glasgow um maybe earlier that year if not the previous year uh i think there was it was one of those things where like there was rumors that someone was at the show incognito maybe like with a hood up because i think at that point you know for them going to shows in scotland was just hard because <laughs> they yeah, were just a, bit of a nightmare <laughs> just le- legitimate celebrities um so we never actually sort of met before this but i think we yeah they'd been seen us play and i was i was in the impression that yeah twilight had both been picked because they've got like long sort of tradition with taking scottish bands out as well yeah of course yeah um i mean twilight sad are probably i mean it's, it's strange because I guess neither Rolla Tomasi nor Twilight Sad sound at all like Biffy Clyro, especially in 2010. Um, yeah. It, you know, what What was the audience reaction? I imagine the you probably got a better reaction than, than the Sad did, you know, being, being heavier, I guess. I mean, in terms of reactions, it's kind of, I can remember the bits around the tour that I can't really remember what playing was like. I can't remember playing the gigs, but I can remember being on the tour and I can remember everything around playing, but not the shows. Um, We got on very, very well with the Twilight Sad and a lot of the time we were kind of sharing dressing room spaces with them and I can remember hanging out with them and it being a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly eclectic bill and back then, like, Sad were like really, really noisy, like really, really intense shoegazy, probably the least accessible they've ever been and I think they've really sort of evolved with with what they're doing now to the point where they would probably be better suited to supporting Biffy like in 2020 than they were at that point. Um, But yeah, it was just, I think for us being first on, you're always going to go on a little bit early. People are sort of still going to get in and uh, warming up uh, to to the idea of being at a show. Um, And I think we were still kind of a bit rough around the edges of that. 
point we were doing we were just about to release our second album um i think just playing shows of that scale was something that we were still kind of working out how it would best work for us and like you know how close you're supposed to set up on stage when you're playing stages that big and just get yeah just getting used to gigs in that that kind of format but um yeah it was i don't remember it being bad so it must have been all right (laughs) i did i I briefly read your uh the rock sound tour diary that you wrote i don't know which which member of of the band wrote that or even whether it was even one of you that actually did it but there's (laughs) read i read day one of the of the tour diary which was yeah i think you say in, in aberdeen and um there's no more there's no day two or three so i don't know what happened to that tour diary but uh was this something that was online yeah it probably just got it got pitched as being a great idea from someone there and we might have submitted the first day and they were either so unhappy with it that they didn't print the next day or we <laughs> just for, forgot to do it it would have been me or Ed who was drumming for us at yeah. the time that did that, definitely. Well, I mean, short but sweet, but I'll thank you very much for, for chatting. It's uh, it's wonderful to have someone on who not only has toured with Biffy, but also you know, performed live and performed such, well, undoubtedly one of the most popular songs. Um, I'll pop a link in the show notes to the performance itself, which is still on YouTube. Did you, by the way, did you revisit it? Did you rewatch it? I watched it? it. You know what? I watched it again today. And one thing that I can remember uh, from it that being shocked when I watched it back, whoever edited it cut out the end of the song. There's a really, really weird bit where it spliced yeah. halfway through because you'll see on stage, I set up with one of my keyboards and I actually played keyboard in a bit of an extended version of the, well, the actual, the proper version of it that we did. And yeah. in what is on YouTube, I don't touch the keyboard once. And it, that I remember watching that back and being like, well, wow, that was one of the best bits of the song. It was like, in terms of it being a collaboration, it didn't feel like it was just me and Eva doing Biffy karaoke. It was more like we were, you know, collaborating with them and it, yeah. And it was a bit weird. Um, Cause I mean, the edit of it is actually, it's, it's okay, I suppose. They managed to make it work, but um there's a good two minutes of song cut out though, like all of the middle bit. Basically, oh, yeah. The, and yeah, yeah, the yeah, section yeah. without any vocals is gone completely. And I will say, um, just finally, with it being my the only time I've ever filmed anything in front of a live studio audience, the crowd looked like they're having the best time of their lives. And I can tell you for a fact that when the camera was off people, they were not moving at all. As soon as it got like panned across the front of them. I I saw people spring into life when they knew they were going to be on camera. And it was very, very surreal, if not a little bit embarrassing for the people that were there. They weren't fans. So they weren't fans of Biffy or they just weren't fans of the fact that Biffy were being invaded by an even I'm not really sure that like, I think a lot of people were just, yeah, maybe applied to come and see something. I don't, I'm not, they didn't, I mean, I know Jaggy Snake is probably slightly more of a deep cut for Biffy. It wasn't like, what were the two big singles? Mountains and, and Bubbles. Like, what we were doing didn't get a reaction from the audience until the camera cameras were on them. And obviously from the stage, we would like could see the cameraman and what was going on. And you can see people just like, as they get into the shot, come to life. And it was odd. It was very odd. That is so strange. Yeah, I mean, obviously being a kind of hardcore biffy fan i was unaware of any like lottery or anything to for fans to get tickets so yeah i guess it was probably just people who apply for for every 
audience-based radio like a TV show in London. And yeah, as well, part of the same show, um, Foles played as well. So it was Biffy and Foles. There were two stages that faced each other, and after they'd filmed Biffy's session, Foles then did a couple of songs from I think it was Total Life Forever they put out that year. Um, so maybe it was like a mixture of people that liked both bands and they were kind of having to put up with one performance to see the one they wanted. Yeah, that's so strange because I guess like probably two years earlier, the overlap between Biffy and Foles fans would have been much greater. Yeah. But then, you know, Biffy hitting a more poppier stride and then Foles going a bit more like ethereal, spread them apart a little bit, which is a, which is a shame. But yeah. But anyway, thanks thanks very much for, for putting up with me for a few minutes and uh, for giving a bit of insight into behind the scenes of Biffy. It's been a pleasure and keep for inviting me to be part of it. Sound? Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. Now, one other thing I'd like to mention about Jaggy Snake and the nature of the Biffy boards back in the day is that there is a remix of There's No Such Thing as a Jaggy Snake featuring Jay-Z. It was produced under the name DJ Anchovy and was actually Biffy approved. It disappeared from the internet for a very long time but was re-uploaded this year by a guy that I know and I'll put the link in the show notes but it's an incredibly impressive remix and... And as mentioned in a comment by the DJ himself, DJ Anchovy, in the video, there was one copy of this on CD, which had a printed cover, which had Biffy Clyro under Jay-Z's arms in a Christ-like pose in front of some Glasgow tower blocks. And it was actually given to the band at a meet and greet. It was, it was then, it was also signed by DJ Anchovy himself. So that's, uh, it's quite funny. There is apparently another few remixes made by him i'll have to check them out and possibly add them in because one of them is about all the way down chapter two mixed with uh, buster rhymes woo-ha so if i can i'll go back and edit the all the way down chapter two episode and add that in but honestly there's no such thing as a jay-z snake is a fantastic and fun remix and it's 100 worth listening to i had kind of forgotten about it until i was sitting down to record and write this and then for some reason, I was typing, there's no such thing as a jaggy snake. And I was like, oh my God, remember, there's no such thing as a Jay-Z snake. And I was so pleased that it's actually finally been re-uploaded to the internet because the only remnant of it was a, 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 its last FM scrabbling record for years. But yes, listen to it. So much fun. So, so, so much fun. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Day Of. My name's Simon Dowling. You can follow on Twitter at a day off podcast and you can email a day off podcast at gmail.com and please leave reviews on iTunes or wherever if you fancy it. You can also send in voice notes at anchor.fm slash a day of and you can also find links there to the podcast on all the different platforms. Again, thank you for listening.